So next up, we're going into another deep dive as if one deep dive wasn't enough. There's another one that the guys are doing. And this time it's it's the, the main one really, how to analyze deals, what we all want to know how to do, right? So um, you won't get very far in property unless you really understand your numbers, unless you can sort the wheat from, from the trap. And that's what we're going to look at now. The other half of this dynamic duo, Chris. Now, Chris has been investing in property since he left university and his claim to fame, or one of his claims to fame, is that he's never had a proper job. Um, I think I wonder if I wonder if having property uh, is a proper job, but hey ho, <laughs> is it? So if you've got any questions for Chris, uh, put them in the Q and A box. But I've got my pencil, still got my pencil out from Tom's session. We're making some notes here, Chris. Cool, excellent. Thank you very much, everyone. Begin. Right, fantastic. Hello, everyone. Um, so um, this is basically it's property deal analysis one hundred and one. Um, I spent a long time trying to make this sound sexy and truth be told, it's not very sexy. Um, the sexy bit is looking for the deal, right? That's the exciting bit. Um, somebody once uh, somebody once told me that um, number crunching was a little bit like uh, being, uh, being a condom on the prick of progress. Um, I hope everyone's laughing at that. Um, so, uh, my response to that is um, that it may take away some of the fun, but it will prevent you from feeling sore later on. Um, so remember that. Remember that analogy when you're doing your doing your analysis. So back to property. Um, as I said, that the fun bit is looking for the deal, right? Um, uh, but once you've got that list of potentials on Rightmove um, or Zoopla, um, then the aim of the deal analysis should be, the basic deal analysis um, should be to drill down as quickly as possible and to work out you know, which properties are worth reviewing um, and which should be passed over. Um, so I'm going to share a, a really simple but effective spreadsheet um, which, which we put together for people who are, are pretty new to property. So I'm sure a lot of you will have something, something similar, something a bit more complicated, uh, something a little bit more um, technical, but um, this we've tried to keep it as simple as possible. Um, so, so this is it. Yeah, it takes you through uh, basically all the all the um, all the costs of buying um, and all the monthly running costs um, to spit out some numbers at the bottom, so you can kind of compare apples with apples and, and compare your two deals side by side and to find out which one is which one is worth reviewing. A spreadsheet is we can give you a spreadsheet, show you a spreadsheet, but spreadsheets only as good as the data that you put in it, right? So we need to find out. Uh, roughly how to put in the, the key numbers. Um, so we're going to deep dive into a few of the important ones. The first one um, to analyse, one of the most important, is what is the true market value of the property that's sat there on right move. Um, so the first tip that I give you is to ignore the agent's asking price altogether, as um, I'll let you into a little behind the cloth, uh, behind the magician's cloth property secret, which is that estate agents have been known in the past to inflate asking prices slightly above the, above the true value, which may be a surprise to some people. So how do you find out um, what the true market value is? Uh, comparables, comparables, comparables. What the hell is a comparable? A uh, comparable is just a similar property in the area that has sold recently. Um, that's it, really. There is a, there is a, a very handy tool, which, which I'm sure a lot of people will know about already. Um, but if, you, if you're new, you might not. So that is the uh, house prices uh, section of Rightmove. Um, you can click on sold house prices, stick in your postcode, 
um, set your results to a quarter of a mile away and it'll spit out a list of properties in the area that have sold recently. Um, it also, which something which when I first started, it never, uh, never gave you was, um, was like a link to the agent advert, which is really good because you can look at the photos, you can have an idea of the, um, of the uh, condition of the property, um, a list, something like that. Um, that's my postcode in there, properties that were sold recently on the street. Um, so what do you need to look out for? As I said, properties that have sold recently, so ideally within the last 12 months. Anything over that might be, you know, subject to kind of market fluctuations. Um, might not be, might not be accurate. Um, properties that are as similar as possible to the one that you're looking at, so the same number of bedrooms, same number of reception rooms. It doesn't have a massive extension on the side, um, and also the the condition, which is again sometimes it's difficult to difficult to assess. But um, look at the photos um, and and just get an idea of of what it's like. Um, you'll see. Um, if a property is sold for a much higher price, but it's in a better condition with a big extension, then you need to adjust your expectation of the valuation to suit. Um, try to work out a range of valuations with a top price um, and a bottom price. So the bottom price being the worst condition, top price being the extended, all singing, all dancing property with the kitchen island and granite work tops. Um, and then try and fit the property that you're looking at somewhere in the middle. It can be, can be tricky at first, but it does you know, get easier with practice. So some other ways, it's always useful to chat to agents. You never know, uh, they might have something that's uh, on the market that's similar, or they might be able to um, give you a bit of insight on that, that particular property. Um, just ring them up and have a chat. If you can get through to them at the moment, because I know they are very, very busy and, and potentially understaffed. Um, you could order a home track report. Home track basically does uses a, their own algorithms to put together for 20 pounds, I think it is, put together a valuation based on their kind of automated modeling. Which is which is okay, um, but it, it, it might cost you. You know, end up costing quite a bit if you're paying twenty pounds a time. Or uh, Zoopla have uh, they have a list of properties alongside their valuations. They can be useful just to kind of double check your thinking. But um, a couple of properties that have sold very cheap on the street, or ones that have sold very very expensive or, or very high value, that can throw out their um, their. Uh, analysis so it sometimes gives you a bit of a false result so just double check so potential issues that you can run into um properties on council estates so councils and housing associations they don't sell properties that often so comparables might be thin on the ground and i've experienced uh, i've experienced that before those that do sell they may be via right to buy so the valuations can sometimes be generously low so to kind of favor the tenant who's buying the property so just going to watch out against that and again you know if you really can't find it in a call to an agent is useful and also one thing's a real pain uh, but but look great is that streets with houses that are all different right so we, we've all we've all been there kind of um uh, Taking a, taking a virtual drive on, on Street View as your friend and, and going and having a look and seeing if properties are all selling for very wildly different prices than um, sometimes, you know, variation in style or size of house um, on the same street. The, so the key lesson in that, um, just to kind of sum up that bit, the less comparables that you can find, the more conservative you should be on the um, assessment of market value. Um, comparables give you confidence and obviously the other around, if you can find loads of the same property, then... Um, you, you know know very well and you can uh, uh, put that in your spreadsheet. Um, okay, so next one is, um, so I'm going to just, I've not got time to go into all of these, but um, I was just going to kind of whip down the list really. Um, 
So deposit, factor in 25% deposit, 75% loan to value. And there are obviously higher and lower loan to value properties. Um, you need to you need to put in whatever figure uh, works for you. Um, I like 75% just because if you can get a good deal on 80%, it's great. Um, and if you um, if you need to drop down to 70, then fine. It, it doesn't throw your figures out too much. Uh, stamp duty, are you a homeowner already? Um, expect to pay 3% on top of whatever the stamp duty is that you pay ordinarily. There is a handy calculator online. Um, it's a .gov site, a stamp duty land tax, residential property rates um, uh, that will tell you. Uh, legal fees, so these vary massively according to what firm you use. But again, when you're first starting out in property, no one really tells you, you know, how, how much to buy a buy to let. It depends on how complex the transaction is, what firm you use, uh, is it freehold or leasehold, the value of the property, what extra searches you might have carried out, or if you need any extra indemnity insurance. Um, so uh, I've just bought a property which is pretty straightforward. It's a residential property, £300,000, and um, it cost me just short of a thousand quid. Um, but the, the solicitors were um, very new, very quick, and very efficient. Broker fee, um, we've been a bit stingy with the broker fee, expect to pay a little bit more than that, but um, I've a chat to some brokers and see what they charge. Um, I, I would recommend using a, a mortgage broker just because it makes the whole process so much easier, um, especially if you're self-employed, uh, as, as that can be a bit of a bit of a minefield. Refurbishment costs, so I'm going to talk, talk a little bit more about that. Um, it's really, really hard to put that on a desktop valuation, obviously, but it's something we get asked a lot, so I'll go into a little bit more detail. So uh, tools to use, I've listed kind of agents, photos, street view, um, EPC is a good one to pull up, that EPC is fine energy certificate because that tells you about the heating and tells you about how good the insulation is and therefore often how good the boiler is. Um, it'll also kind of give you the rough kind of square footage, which is a good little, good little tip as well. Look out for anything that might make the property unmortgageable, so major refurb issues such as no kitchen or bathroom, structural issues. Um, most agents will be upfront about this to because they don't want to waste the time on viewings um if you're if you're a mortgage buyer and it's cash buyers only so look out for that little cash buyers only which indicates a problem some there's some useful websites such as uh, householdquotes.co.uk um which kind of gives you a, you can you can just type in how much to plaster a room and it'll give you a kind of average price up and down the country um how much to rewrite a house applying for a kitchen we do have in the in the main property three six five course. We do have um, kind of on, ongoing examples of, of you know properties that we've referred recently with price list and a breakdown, which um, can be quite helpful. Okay, so next one is next important one is the working out the monthly rental figure, which again it's it's not rocket science. It's going to right move. It's typing in. It's going in the houses to rent, seeing what is um, in the area. Uh, tick let agreed and within a quarter of a mile of your property and uh, look for rental properties that are very similar and as close as possible to the one that you're looking at things to watch out for properties in poor condition that have been on a long time because they don't give you an accurate description if you see on the adverts it'll say added on x day discounts for uh, so discount kind of short-term let properties or room rentals which might skew your your, your average um and also you know look if they're furnished or not because in some areas, it makes a big difference. Um, uh, you know, I'm thinking kind of within the M25 and, and certain city centre properties. You'll also spot kind of minor variations for things like properties that are close to transport links or shops. But 
again, it's in Greater Manchester, I find it doesn't really make a huge difference um, unless it is a property that is a long way away in the middle of an estate with very little bus routes around. That can be a little bit less desirable than one that's just around the corner from the shop or just around the corner from the bus, bus stop. So next most important uh, fig- um, figure to put in there is how quickly will it rent? Assessing how quick a property will rent, it's quite hard to show in a spreadsheet, but um, it's really important obviously because nothing sucks up your profit like a long void period what to look out for so uh, try and find out the ratio of agreed to let and properties available in the area so just do a search with the with the box unticked and then a search with the box ticked um, and see what see what kind of ratio if it's you know seven out of ten are uh, let agreed then great happy days it's a it's a hot market um, if there's not many available, um, then again, that can be a can be a good indicator um, that you know there's, there's nothing nothing to rent in the area. Um, look out for properties that have been on a long time and haven't let, as it could potentially indicate kind of low demand. And look out for properties that have t- other telltales of things like um, incentives, like Amazon vouchers, free rent for a month, uh, no deposit options thrown in, as that can signal properties that are hard to let. I think we're spoiled a little bit in Manchester. Everything is renting so quickly. Um, don't know about everybody else, but I find that it's, it's a really, really competitive market. But I do have properties in other areas which are slow and, you know, putting those incentives in there and, and sometimes they don't work. It's, it's it's just a nightmare, ringing up the agent, dropping the price again and again and again. So, it, it, you know, it's uh, it's vital that you kind of get that, get that demand um, nailed down. So back to the numbers. Um, again, I've not got time to go into these in loads of detail. Um, but uh, management said, so you want someone to manage your property? So if so, allow you know ten percent ish, but get some quotes from agents as they'll often be a bit more competitive. Um, insurance. How long? How much does landlord insurance cost? That's something that nobody told me when I kind of uh, first started out. Let's see. So there's lots of different insurance options, such as rent guarantee insurance, legal cover, plumbing and drainage cover. Um, the more properties that you have, the more discounts you'll get. Um, straightforward landlord's building insurance um, that I got recently uh, cost me £125 for 12 months. Um, and that was just a basic builder's insurance for a £110,000 rebuild cost. Um, I'm sure people will be able to, be able to beat that by shopping around, but that was... Um, that was just just what I found. Uh, maintenance. Uh, so maintenance. I re- I was, when I was researching for this, I found a recent survey said that landlords, on average, sp- average spend on maintenance was twenty eight percent a year. Holy moly! Um, I, I think that's really high. Um, I would allow in my places. I would allow ten percent of gross rent per year. Um, but I think that twenty eight percent. There could be more in the first year with teething problems, for example. A classic one, which I've added to my kind of refurb list now, is TV aerials, the kind of thing that you forget about. And then your tenant moves in, plugs the TV in, no good, 100 quid, 150 quid for a new aerial. Um, and that can, again, start to start to skew your figures. Voids, a word to strike uh, fear into the hearts of even the most hardy bad-to-let landlords. It can suck up profit very quickly. Allow a month's rent for voids, I think. Especially in the first year, it, it could be more. Um, again, you know, if a property becomes available, and you know, most people have to give a month's notice. So uh, you're looking at the time for advertising, uh, marketing, advertising, referencing, and then the actual tenants moving in. So it's it's vital you include it. 
mortgage payment. So uh, a word about mortgage payment. If you don't know what mortgage rate you can get um, and the terms, then speak to a broker before you start plumbing into the spreadsheet. Because um, a bad mortgage deal can make even the best deal not stack up. So getting this figure wrong, yeah, it could throw out your entire spreadsheet. So talk to your broker now. Um, we have lots on here, lots of lovely people. Um, a lovely little formula, which I'm sure you're all familiar with, which was just 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 changed my world when I first learned it um, back in the day. Um, it's how you find out your mortgage payment, and it's as simple as that. Um, it's your mortgage amount times by 0. 0.0, the um, the rate, and divide by 12 to get your monthly payment. It's as, it's as easy as that, but you don't know until you know, right? Okay, so finally, you've plumbed all that lovely data into your spreadsheet. Hooray. Um, so what does it spit out? There's loads and loads of different ways to judge uh, investments and comparisons. Um, ask your accountant. They will bore you silly with loads and loads of different ones. However, I've kind of gone with, uh, gone with, uh, gone with three examples. Um, first one is gross yield. Oh, I really hate it. I hate it. It's basically annual rent divided by purchase price uh, times 100, um, which doesn't take into a cost account of any costs, reefer, mortgages. Estate agents love to feed you this one. and They love to scribble it all over the adverts, which um, tells you a story in itself and that it, it can often look really good until you minus the cost. So I'd ignore this one. Uh, net yield, um, much better. Gross income, uh, minus cost divided by purchase price times 100. Much, much better as it takes into account your costs and your kind of your uh, your own individual costs. So what mortgage rate you're eligible for, things like that. And the last one is rocky or sometimes spelled with an E or an I, which is return on capital employed or invested. That tells you just how hard your money is working for you. So what deposit you've had to put in, what stamp duty and things you've had to put in. Um, it also highlights the, the value of leveraging um, using a, a mortgage to show why property investing is amazing and ace and why we all love it. Uh, so positive and negatives um, way of looking at each number in the deal, as I said. Um, Rocky, it gives you a really good number from a high loan to value property. So, for example, this is, this is a downside, by the way. So, for example, if you had a 90% mortgage, then your capital employed would be very, very low. However, you'd be vulnerable to a drop in the market or um, a change in mortgage conditions. Um, so it, it can give you a little bit of a, a little bit of a false figure sometimes. I'm not saying there are necessarily 90% mortgages available, but if there were, then that would be an issue. Also, comparing paper, uh, comparing properties on paper, um, it often favours really cheap two-bed terrace properties. Um, the cheaper, the better. Uh, which gives you a really high rocky over, say, a three-bedroom ex-council semi-detached property. Um, the net yield is better, but the, the gross yield is better, and the rocky is better on paper. Um, however, in reality, the three-bed can often be the better investment because of capital growth prospects, because of better quality of tenant who will stay longer, and therefore increase your profits. And I guess the final, the final really important thing to remember is that um, no matter what the numbers are and what the analysis, how good your analysis is, is, if the property doesn't fit in with your goals, then it doesn't matter how good it looks on paper. For example, if your aim is to never, ever have to do a refurb, then what use is an unmortgageable property needing a lot of work, even if the numbers look really good? Um, and, and likewise, um, location. Uh, so... Um, 
if you only want to invest in Manchester, but find a great deal in Doncaster or, as you can see on the screen, lovely Scunthorpe, for example, should you buy the deal because it's cheap? Um, let me tell you from personal experience that no, 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 you shouldn't. And that's it. Thank you very much for listening to my waffle. Chris, that is fantastic. So many golden nuggets in there. So much useful stuff. I think, I think my main takeaway from that really is that any deal can be shaped into a deal. There's so many variables that you've highlighted there that you can play with to make anything, anything into a deal. Uh, I do have one very specific question for you, though. Um, I mean, there's, there's questions coming in everywhere, right? I've got like multiple screens of those questions. The first one I throw at you is, is rent guarantee insurance, is it worth it? Oh, for, for single individual properties, if you've got one or two, then yeah, absolutely. I think um, 250 quid, I think it is for a year. Um, yeah, it, it, I think it is worth it um, as the the potential, especially at the moment with the difficulties in evicting people. Um, once you build up a few properties, um, I say you know, you know over five, it's probably worth setting aside some money to insure yourself, essentially just because one the, the, the costs kind of start to add up for multiple but if you've got one or two and it's you know you you're uh, you're relying on your own personal income to pay the mortgage if the tenant doesn't then yeah i'd absolutely recommend it okay um and um okay so one with today's property prices are there still good deals to have to be had yeah absolutely there are um i think it's just a case of um it, Maybe looking a little bit outside your, your kind of traditional areas um, and, and just you've got to work a hell of a lot harder to find them um, and, and, you know, be a little bit creative, whether that's, you know, a kind of a, a housing benefit strategy um, where you can have kind of multiple claimants in one property, um, which increases the rent. Um, or you, you know, you you find somewhere, some in an area, um, let's say an area that's not too far away, and as long as it doesn't, you know, kind of clash with your goals, um, that you, you wouldn't otherwise have invested in. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're definitely still out there, but they are hard to find at the moment. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. Um, there's a lot of nods. Yeah, a lot of nods. Um, how... How would you be able to identify a right to buy sale in sold prices? Oh, you you can't really. Um, you can't. Um, it's just something to bear in mind. I think when you're looking at the figures. Um, so, um, thinking my my wife went through a, a right to buy sale and um, she purchased a property and the value, even the valuation itself. You know, never mind the discount, but the valuation itself was was low. And that was to ensure that that you know tenants affordability on the mortgages that they can actually you know go ahead with the transaction. Um, so I guess it's just any anomalies that stick out, and you think that property is in really good condition, and, and why is it not sold? And uh, also, there's no um, there's sometimes no estate agent advert for it. That's another kind of telltale. Um, so there's there's a link to the price, but there's no advert. Um, Especially, you know, so if it just says a says a number, it's, a, it's either a private sale or it's one that wasn't advertised to the market, which is a right to buy one. Got you. Top tips right there. Okay. And um, was it worth taking out cover for boilers, electrics, and if so, which one? Oh, again, it. I've I've dabbled with this in the past. Um, 
So uh, some properties, when we first bought them, they had mortgage, they had boilers in, mortgages, they had boilers in that were very old. Um, so we took out some some cover. Um, I tend to go for for the older ones. I tend to go for the cover that's through the manufacturers because although it's um, although it's a little bit more expensive, they are um, they're often often older boilers are excluded from certain policies like. Like the British Gas one, for example, I'll give you an example. I, I took out, tried to take out British Gas one a few years ago for a kind of older property. And they said, oh, there's, a, there's something on the gas certificate which says it's not to current standards. Now, um, basically, that means that, there's, that, that it's fine and that it's not a fail. It still passes. But this, this you know, if, if it was fitted now, then it would be done like this. And it's something that you might want to consider changing. And they refused to cover it because this is not to current standards. Even though our gas engineer said it, it's absolutely fine. It's to do with the way the flue is placed. I've put this on it and it solves the problem blah 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 and um, so it, it can be a little bit tricky so i tend to go for the ones through for the older older properties or the older boilers I tend to go for the ones through the boiler manufacturers um which are, which are again not the cheapest but they they often have all the parts available to just replace everything pcbs and um all sorts of things straight away which ends up with a quicker fix yeah not the cheapest, but the wisest by the sound. The wisest by the sounds of it. Oh sure, and, and in terms of electrics and things, no, I don't have electrics cover. Um, uh, as long as they're all kind of up to standard, you know, up to standard, and and um, make friends with a good Sparky, and if anything happens, then uh, then then give them a call. Okay, uh, okay. Before we move on to our next our next gender item, a quick quick fire question for you, if you're ready for it. What yeah. is your favourite metric when analysing a deal? Oh, my favourite metric. Mm, it's probably it's probably Rocky, even though it doesn't give you the whole picture. But I'd say that, that I like Rocky because I like to know how hard my money is working for me. Um, but you've got to take it take it alongside other factors, like you know, always. I'd say always analyse these with your goals in mind, um, and does it fit in with your goals? Is it the level of risk that you want? Um, and also think about you know property type and tenant type that you want to attract. So. Like I said, you compare a three-bedroom ex-council semi on Rocky along with a, a two-bedroom terrace in Moston. And um, I, I know because I've got both of them. Um, the three-bed semi wins all, all day long in terms of kind of longevity of tenant and um, less things going wrong and, and things like that. So it, it's Rocky's important, uh, Rocky's important, but it's also important to, to kind of compare it alongside you. You, you know your kind of goals and your, your other factors that are driving you your mm. buying decisions cool love that answer and I, lo- and I love the fact you call it rocky as well it makes me think about the rocky theme tune and getting a bit of a getting a bit of a positive mindset with that music steps and, <laughs> steps and you might have to go somewhere else for that exactly <laughs> so exactly exactly oh brilliant thanks chris i really really oh, enjoyed that